Well, when you're small, agility is a competitive advantage. And so we've seen a number of emerging brands adapt to the current environment by pivoting to online retail, as we discussed, delaying product launches and fine-tuning marketing messages that are more appropriate for the times. Welcome to Sense Life Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, Senior Editor of Baking and Snack Magazine. We recorded most of season two way back in February, before anyone could have predicted the impact the coronavirus pandemic would have on our lives and this industry. We made the decision to deliver the episodes as we originally recorded them, but we didn't want to ignore the impact the pandemic has had on you and our guests. So we bring you this final episode as an update on how our guests have been weathering this storm. All of our guests are still in business, producing snacks and bread for their customers and consumers. However, they have postponed product launches, pivoted to online retail, and are doing what they can to protect their employees. In this final episode, we'll revisit our conversation with Monica Watros, Managing Editor of Food Business News, to talk about how the pandemic has affected emerging brands in general. You'll also hear from some of our guests about how it has directly affected them and how they've adapted. Now let's get to our conversation with Monica. Welcome to Sense Life Spread, Monica. Thanks for having me back. So before the pandemic, shoppers were very interested in the latest and greatest, health and wellness, anything trendy. But that's changed, hasn't it? People seem to be looking for staples and comfort. Sure. Well, right now, many shoppers are going into the grocery store on a mission. They just want to grab the essentials and get out of there as soon as possible. There's no lingering or leisurely browsing. So trying a new brand or product is too risky right now when store visits are brief and less frequent and millions of consumers are in a cash crunch due to unemployment. At the same time, it has been widely reported that consumers are cozying up to comfort foods produced by national brands during the crisis. And so early stage brands with limited exposure or distribution will have a tougher time in this environment. Stacy Madison shared with us just how these changes in consumer behavior impacted her new company, Be Bold Bars, which had only just launched in the fall at Expo East. We spent several years of planning before launching in uh, Q1 and Q2 of this year. So um, it's a huge shift in consumer buying behavior and traditional shopping to like essential shopping. So people would go out and they would, yeah, just kind of do their regular shopping and meander around the store and explore and discover new products. And now it seems to be just get in, get out. The I want to try something new is not anything and and you know every answer that I've given when I've when I've spoken to people over the last couple of weeks it seems like a week later it changes people aren't looking to try something anything new they just want to get in get out and stores canceled demos that we had scheduled and deals that we had buy one get one free and all this other stuff that we had going on just ended We saw a lot of grocery stores, I'm pretty sure I can say all grocery stores, cancel their in-store demos. And that was really critical to all of these emerging brands. How are these companies kind of responding to the loss of the in-store demos and that sense of discovery that consumers once had about their food? 
Well, as we discussed before, entrepreneurs are creative and agile, and they're finding other ways to generate trial right now. Uh, an example is Three Wishes, uh, which is a startup in New York that makes a grain-free breakfast cereal. And they've recently created a drive-through sampling station in the local community to replace the in-store demos that previously were a key strategy for generating trial of their product. Um, so the founders were using tongs and gloves and masks and providing taste tests at a safe distance. During this time, it's recommended that brands focus on driving velocities among existing consumers rather than attempting to chase new ones. And any marketing money spent to generate trial will generally be wasted during the pandemic. Be Bold Bars relies heavily on the consumer sense of discovery and in-store demos to grow the business. But with the pandemic taking this strategy off the table, Stacy shared with us how the company has retooled to stay afloat as things constantly change. We, how do I say this? We, we kind of re redirected our way of thinking. Um, you know, we got into the stores. We were, luckily, we're in Publix and Myers, and we had a couple of larger accounts that we were already in that we could still continue to move product through. But having been in, like now we have a little bit of a base, but then all of a sudden the stores went to a freeze and nobody's buying, you know, the buyers are like, well, we're not doing any new products. So we decided that we were going to do two things. We were going to focus as much energy as we could on the stores that we're in and try to continue moving product through them. And then we were gonna try to use this time to continue building the brand and to uh, expand on our direct to consumer business so that people can order online and people can still get the bars. Um, in so, so, you know, one week we're, we're pivoting to direct to consumer. Then all of a sudden you look at what's happening in the industry and you just can't, you just don't know because other companies, like we might have product, but another company might not be able to supply product. So where we thought that, you know, there's this freeze on buy, on the buyers buying new stuff. Well, if there's extra room on the shelf because maybe there's a yogurt company that can't that isn't supplying them or something now all of a sudden where we had two facings on the shelf we would have four facings on the shelf so we thought oh well we have to pivot our whole company and then all of a sudden we're getting more orders because for some weird weird reason that we never in a million years would have thought about i mean we're certainly not getting enough to hold our heads above water but our goal for this year has changed from, you know, trying to build this company and things just to kind of hold our heads above water like everybody else during the pandemic. With the pandemic, we've seen more consumers than ever embracing online food purchases. Has that been to emerging food companies benefit in this time? Well, in late March, uh, nearly every packaged food company experienced a surge in demand as consumers nationwide stockpiled supplies ahead of uh, stay-at-home orders uh, to slow the spread of the virus. And companies of all sizes benefited from that spike. But since then, um, more and more consumers are buying groceries online for the first time. And that behavior is expected to persist long after the pandemic. So brands with a strong online presence and direct-to-consumer operations are very well positioned now and over the next year or two. The companies featured in season two had established direct-to-consumer outlets already, which is where the majority of their business has shifted. For Bread Seriously, 
That demand was so high that at first the bakery had a hard time keeping up. Founder Sadie Sheffer explains. Our direct-to-consumer business from our website skyrocketed, um, starting with the first shelter-in-place announcement. And it hasn't really gone down, which has been um, amazing to see and challenging to keep up with. So we've, we've changed a lot about our operation to be able to accommodate our customers. So I would say we, we've gone through a lot of changes to how we think about our operation including how we prioritize orders because we can't fill our entire demand every week. Um, We're getting better at it, uh, finding some new efficiencies, but we decided right from the get-go to prioritize our direct-to-consumer business. One, because it best aligns with our mission to reunite people with sourdough when they thought good bread was off the table. Two, because it helps with our cash flow in a time where Cash flow is like the biggest concern of small businesses. So we get paid in advance for the bread. And third, because it allows our customers to avoid the grocery store, which is sort of the kind of scary panic place right now. Um, So it's been a a switch for us. Um, We're used to e-commerce being about a quarter of our business, and now it's gone up to half. Daniel Kurzrog from Regrained was thankful the company had already invested in online platforms to support its direct-to-consumer business. So that's the good thing about us having a CPG brand already built is that we already had a website that was set up to do e-commerce. We already had a third party fulfillment you know, group helping us with shipping. We already have an Amazon store set up. So we weren't building these things from scratch, which meant that we could just start paying more attention and prioritizing those, uh, the growth of those more than we, we might have before when they were a fraction of, of everything that we were doing. And luckily for Be Bold, the company had just finalized its online buying platform and quickly pivoted to e-commerce. So I think um, we're going to have a lot bigger presence online um, initially. Um, And then when things open up, then I think it might put us in a better position to get into some of the stores because we won't be such a stranger. At least that's my hope. So one of the biggest kind of headlines to come out of this for the food industry anyway um, was that Natural Products Expo West was canceled. Um, It was scheduled for early March, right when the coronavirus outbreak really gained momentum in the United States. Um, And that was really critical to a lot of emerging businesses because they rely on that trade show for discovery and product launches. What's the impact been of that cancellation and other trade shows, or do we know yet? The cancellation of Expo West and dozens of other conferences like the Summer Fancy Food Show in New York and Sweets and Snacks Expo in Chicago, that's problematic for startups who rely on those events to gain visibility and meet with retail buyers. Uh, Most events are going virtual now, and it's difficult to predict what shape the trade event landscape will take in the months ahead. Even as gathering restrictions are lifted, uh, many industry professionals will be prohibited by corporate travel bans or tighter budgets, and they may be cautious about crowding into confined spaces and shaking hands or sampling products on a toothpick. So suddenly the normal activities of industry events appear riddled with health risks. But we are talking about food. So innovation has to be seen, smelled, and tasted 
And the founders of early stage brands use the real-time feedback to refine and iterate on product offerings at these trade shows. So not having those opportunities can be devastating. One of our season two guests, um, the company Regrained that uses spent beer grains to create snack products was planning on launching um, a puff product, a snack puff at Natural Products. The first impact we really felt was in the cancellation of Natural Products Expo West. I was actually in the airport, in line, about to board my flight when the notice went out that the show was, uh, was going to be canceled. And this was significant for us more so than usual because we're launching a new product on the CPG side. You know, it was ready, it was ready to go. Uh, and that was going to be the big unveiling of it at, at Expo West. You know, we had their distributor codes, you know, it was just ready to rock. And that really derails the intended you know, retail-oriented go-to-market strategy for that, that product line. Now we still have a number of you know retail commits that we got outside of the show. We're going to have national placement for the product, but everything is being pushed back. So it's not clear if something was supposed to launch in the fall, if that means it's going to launch in the winter next spring. You know, we don't know how long it's going to be before these new products, you know, where, uh, you know, are going to actually hit the, hit the shelf, which is when you're a small brand is, is very material. So what we had, you know, had to do is pivot really hard to direct to consumer channel, knowing that we could generate some revenue um, there immediately. And it went really well, actually. We got a massive amount of orders. Thanks for listening to Since Sliced Bread. We'd like to take a short break to tell you about another Soslin Publishing Company publication that launched this year, Food Entrepreneur. As a supplement to food business news, Food Entrepreneur will offer a deep dive into the disruption caused by emerging brands like those interviewed in Season 2 of Since Sliced Bread. So if you're enjoying these conversations and want to learn more about emerging brands and new products, be sure to sign up for Food Entrepreneur on foodbusinessnews.net. And now, back to the conversation. So are there any challenges that emerging brands might face from this pandemic that bigger baking and snack companies might not, or that might impact emerging brands differently? Well, across the industry, manufacturing plants are closing temporarily as workers fall ill from COVID-19. That's putting a strain on the supply chain and leading to shortages, specifically in the meat category. But these implications may be more far-reaching as the situation continues to unfold. Many small brands will likely face disruptions in production and manufacturing because most depend on co-packers who are under extra stress driven by the demand surge, and they may be prioritizing production of certain brands over others. So right now, over-communication is critical with all stakeholders of a business. Uh, it's important that these companies, if they can't keep up with demand as inventories are depleted, that they remain transparent and retain that credibility with their customers and consumers. Be Bold uses a co-partner to manufacture its products, and the company had just completed a production run, something Stacy was thankful for as the pandemic hit. So luckily we had 
done a production run, like a large production run, which we did like right before all of this started. So um, we're able to supply the accounts that we have. And for new accounts that are coming online, I mean, so far we're still producing. So, I mean, if we get some new accounts, we'll be okay. If we got some new accounts, we'll be okay. And in the meantime, we're gonna get some new customers. I mean, we've got that Instagram going. I'm trying to get out and do as many of, you know, just online podcasts and talking to people and just getting the word out as much as we can. On the other hand, baking and snack companies that do their own production have a completely different set of challenges, not the least of which is keeping their own employees safe while they bake. For bread seriously, that meant putting safety over profits with some new protocols and giving their team time to adapt. So one of our pillars of our company culture is safety. Um, and so we had a lot of conversations about what that means and how to prioritize it and how to how to show up as leaders who prioritize safety in a time when money is a big pressure. So we decided early on that safety came before profit for us and for our team. Um, and so that looked like really holding back for the first couple weeks and, and lowering our, our maximum capacity so that our team had time and space to do the extra cleaning that we asked them to do and to distance themselves from each other, which they're not used to. And after a couple of weeks of doing that, our capacity actually went like increased from what it was before COVID, um, which was a big surprise. So I think the team has just uh, really embraced that optimization and the challenge of it. And our production folks are incredible and smart and driven um, and really appreciate that safety came first. So it's been a pretty amazing thing to witness. For Fire King Baking Company, most of its business comes from food service, which evaporated overnight with stay-at-home orders closing restaurants. Owner Greg Acera quickly shifted his production lines from 70% food service, 30% retail to 90% retail. While sales have been down 40% overall, the decrease has actually allowed Fire King to run with a smaller crew. You know, we had a lot of people, um, they, they wouldn't come to work. They refused to come to work. They were scared. Um, and, you know, I understand that. And you can't, you know, you can't tell an employee, hey, you must come to work. And they're saying, I'm afraid to come to work. Um, you try to, you know, some staff are willing to come to work and some aren't. As an overall gross sales, our numbers are down. Um, so we've been able to have enough um, staff come in to produce what we need. We've had a lot of protocols in place now. You know, we have the checking the temperatures at the door, um, filling out every employee every day has to fill out a questionnaire. We have, uh, you know, things that everybody's doing. I had just installed a, a thermal imaging camera and it came online yesterday, actually. And anytime someone enters the building now, every single temperature is recorded with facial recognition. If they have a mask on and a hood up, it still catches them by the eyeballs and immediately captures the image in their body temperature. And if it's over, we think we set it at 100.4 degrees was recommended, then an alarm will go off, an actual alarm will go off. The person will be instructed to stay in place and we'll bring them outside the facility and have them further checked. 
So that's a great relief for us here. And the first day it's working great. I'm really surprised how all those things make them more comfortable. And um, now with the, the thermal imaging camera, uh, they're, they're all pretty impressed with it. They're all doing dances in front of it because there's a large TV there and you look in the camera and it captures you when you can see yourself on the TV. So I think they're making some TikToks out there too. So in the first episode, we talked a lot about um, venture capitalists and how they've kind of powered um, these smaller companies to compete and innovate. How is the pandemic affecting venture capitalist investment and financing for these smaller companies? Well, venture capitalists are more cautious now, and we've seen a shift in fundraising to later stage companies. So the deals are still happening, but not at the volumes that we'd seen in recent years. It's, it's a less liquid market. So investors will certainly be more selective on where to place bets. Uh, seed stage funding is projected to decline sharply. Um, now, founders may consider non-traditional methods to raise capital, such as uh, rewards-based crowdfunding on sites like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, or even equity crowdfunding on platforms like StartEngine. In fact, Regrained was in the midst of a fundraising campaign when the coronavirus outbreak began. You know, we were able, thankfully, to we have some investors that, that stepped up to the plate and um, helped us. Because really right now what we need to do is, is shore up on, on resources and preparation for what, what could be a pretty bad downturn and make sure that we have the resources that continue to protect the planet, right? Kind of how we, how we say, continue to stay solvent. And so we've actually, uh, another pivot is that we're going to do a second equity crowdfunding campaign. So we've been, been setting that in motion too, which was not part of the plan before COVID hit. Now it's, it's something that's uh, a part of our, our capital plan is, is to, to execute another one of these campaigns and you know raise, raise some more money that way. For Be Bold, financing has been more secure than Stacy's previous company, Stacy's Pita Chips. And that has been even more important during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, it, when we first started the pita chip company, it was a lot of bootstrapping and independent retailers and store by store by store and slowly building it that way because we didn't have the, have the manufacturing. Now starting Be Bold, we have the ability to produce and we have the team assembled to get it out there. And we're properly financed the, from the beginning. We properly financed the company. Granted that right now we're burning through money. Just, you know, we're burning through that financing. Um, not the way that we expected to with putting it into the industry. Um, but we're at least able to still keep moving. So, I mean, we're in that sense, we're in a better position because we did properly finance the company from the beginning. So that's a very different position than, you know, it took us a couple of years to get to that place. Um, you know, it took us like four or five years to get to that place with the pita chip company. So what makes small companies vulnerable during this pandemic? And I also want to talk about what strengths they might have that could help them during this very unpredictable environment because we have not seen anything like this. Well, when you're small, agility is a competitive advantage. And so we've seen a number of emerging brands adapt to the current environment by pivoting to online retail, as we discussed, delaying product launches and fine-tuning marketing messages that are more appropriate for the times. 
I've also seen examples of emerging brands redeploying staff and budgets uh, that were meant for activities like field marketing uh, to assist with uh, their now increased digital marketing and retail delivery options. And there are so many resources available to entrepreneurs in the baking and snack industries. Um, the Specialty Food Association and, and New Hope Network are just a couple of examples um, of, of organizations that are providing outreach and education to help small and mid-sized companies navigate these challenges. But as you said, uh, small brands are vulnerable and a number of brands won't survive this crisis, particularly as we enter a recessionary environment. Shoppers who are more price sensitive may buy more private label products and will resist experimenting with trendy new brands on the shelf, uh, particularly those priced at a premium. Yeah, it's pretty clear that even once the pandemic is under control, we're going to be left with a recession economy, which 2008, we had a recession. What can that recession kind of tell us about what emerging snack and bakery companies could expect? Well, this recession will be a little different uh, because uh, it's being spurred by a global health crisis. Uh, so brands that are positioned around health and wellness, um, particularly those marketing benefits of immunity or stress relief, may actually have an advantage uh, in spite of the financial repercussions created by the pandemic. I think with any company of any size, brands that are exercising financial discipline during this time you know, a lot of companies are already running lean uh, at the early stages. So continuing to manage cash flow and to remain hyper-focused on their mission. And, uh, you know, this isn't the time to launch a ton of new SKUs, for example, um, but to be disciplined in all areas of the business uh, is, is probably the, the best way that they can get to the other side of this, the pandemic and the recession. Well, we certainly wish all of our season two guests all the best during this unprecedented time um, that none of us could have possibly predicted. Thank you so much, Monica, for taking time to um, talk to us again about this fascinating subject. Well, thank you. I love the podcast. I'm so honored to be a guest. Thank you for listening to Sin Sliced Bread. We'll be exploring the impact of COVID-19 on the baking industry more in Season 3, coming this summer. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at soslin.com. And check out our other podcast, Baking and Snack Audio, for all the latest in trends and technology. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Sliced Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and drop us a review.